0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast.
1: The Pro Day was held Monday at the Bob Carpenter Center and the Delaware Fieldhouse, mainly focused on Bilal Nichols. There were other players there as well. It made you were there. Give us a little bit of a rundown. A, which professional scouts were there, Okay, and what was the environment like? What stood out?
2: Yeah, the event lasted for about three, three and a half hours. It was pretty decent. They covered mostly everything. Uh, they did start off at the Bob Carpenter center they took measurements and verticals and stuff like that hand size uh, height uh, wingspan I don't know if uh, you guys care about that and then they moved to the field house where Some we... people
0: care about hand size uh, but we won't I mean get into yeah that. I don't
2: know but <laughs> it's president Um and then we moved into the field house where we started getting down and dirty and um oh. we 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 started running a little bit the 40 times they were uh, we had the receivers running routes a little bit um the O line and D line also got in the trenches a little bit and um, we we had the the big boys um, powering through there, so uh, it it was nice to see. It was about twenty four teams was the official teams. I didn't see that many teams, but the official count that we got was twenty four NFL teams made it out. Uh, about thirty or twenty eight uh, uh, individuals as a total. I know like the Ravens sent like three guys. Um, obviously, I don't I don't know if it has something to do with Joe Flacco and and uh, the plethora of Blue Hens players that are on that team or were on that team at some point. But- plethora.
0: Well, yeah, I mean like they had three or four, right? Nick Boyle, Gino, Gino Grudkowski. Yeah. yeah, more more players on that team than yeah. any other in the league. So uh, you think
1: the proximity has anything to do with it?
3: I think so. I don't, maybe. I mean, they're just a right down the road. Random, random occurrence. Flacco also just
2: donated somebody. I don't know. I don't know if all those things go hand in hand. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I saw. Um, and then I, I think one of my guys that really, uh, one of the guys I saw that really stuck out was was Brandon Whaley, who was tight end. I think he he. I had him unofficially as Teddy frantically looks to see how few <laughs> catches he had this past. I'm talking about drills only. I'm not recapping this guy's season. I'm just talking about drills. Guy was impressive, okay? There's a couple of the the three point stance drills that he did. Um I had him at a four point seven as far as forty time is concerned. I was trying to track everybody's. They were moving kind of fast. Um but, but all <laughs> were Nichols, moving kind of fast. What did Nichols fast? do? Nichols did not run the 40 because he did take care of that in Indianapolis already. He didn't, he didn't want to run a slower um, one. Uh, uh, but again, just to quickly finish up on Whaley, yeah, uh, sure he, he got some he got oohs and ahs from the scouts, all right? and I think that's worth something. He's
0: got a great first name, so that's a start.
2: Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, but Brandon's a hell of a name. Um <laughs> I, I don't think anyone besides Nichols will go in the draft, but... I, I think some of these guys have an option to maybe get an invite. I'll put it that to to put it fairly. Yeah. Some of these guys will get an invite. That makes sense. For, I think Cherry will definitely get an invite. Deontay Cherry will get an invite, and I think Brandon Willie will get an invite. What about? That's just from what I've seen and what I've heard. The the oohs and eyes I've got what at about, field day. Um,
0: Blaine Woodson. That's a name that interests me as a guy who could get a training camp invite.
2: Blaine Woodson. I believe Hannah was the one that got it. She got an interview with him. I didn't get a chance to fully listen to the interview, but Blaine Woodson also did have an impressive um, pro day. But again, it wasn't anything that stood out, anything crazy. Um, he, He had a solid year with the blue Hens last year and, and he had a solid pro day. He did everything what he was expected to do. I mean, again, he's looking at him physically. It's, it's different to see him without pads and a helmet. Um, A lot of these guys were really built, um, and and they look solid. I think they were impressive with scouts as well. Um, And and again,
0: I guess the reason why I asked about him is it's similar to what we've talked about with Bilal Nichols in that he's played in both a 4-3 and a 3-4 front here at Delaware. So maybe he's a guy who, because of his position versatility, could latch on to one of the last roster spots in the NFL or at least get a Mm -hmm. chance where they'll be rotating a lot of defensive linemen in. He came into the program with a lot of potential. He was the CAA Defensive Rookie of the Year when he was a freshman. He's been good. He was all CAA as a second-year player, but he hasn't been up to that level his junior and senior year. So I wonder how scouts evaluate what he did in his first few seasons in a different scheme versus what he did this past year in the Blue Hens' new 3-4 scheme and whether or not he will have a chance to make an NFL roster or to get that training camp invite. Again, probably only player to be drafted will be Bilal Nichols.
2: Right, and from what I heard from scouts, there was a little, there was some chatter, and they believe Bilal Nichols will go top five rounds guaranteed. Um, some are saying four, some, says, some are saying six was kind of a stretch from what I heard, but I think it's safe to say Bilal Nichols will go top five rounds in the NFL draft. Um, He also, one thing I didn't mention, he was also putting up weights. I believe he did 29 reps of uh, 225-something. Again, he didn't get a chance to do all the things in Indianapolis uh, because he did hurt his hand. Uh, It wasn't a serious injury, but he did uh, tweak his hand a little bit. So he came back really only for pro day. Just to finish some of the drills, he didn't get a chance to do so. Um, Also, I think notable mention John Nassib, who has uh, two other brothers in the NFL, uh, one for the Giants and uh, one for the other team. I'm not um, exactly sure, but he hey, at one
0: point was on the Browns. I don't know. Oh, if one he point was is, on the Browns. Yeah, and I it, it funny you say
2: that because he did have an extended conversation with the Browns scout, um, who was also there, who was blocking my view and many things I was trying to get around him. But yeah, again, he's, got, he's got a lot of draft picks. To spend. I, he's he's, got he's, a he's he, I hope he was looking at everything because mm-hmm. he could definitely um they could definitely use some players. But yeah, John Nassim um was interesting to see. He also did a lot of D line drills, but also did a lot of tight end drills. Um, from what i was told by some of the delaware people um he's trying to expand his horizons a little bit he wants to he wants the best shot to get into the NFL and and why not do that with uh he did running drills or catching drills i should say uh with some of the quarterbacks so he That'd wants to go in as a tight end and again hey, that guy's
0: tall the guy big
2: built like a and i said this in the group chat this guy built like a pickup truck okay he's he, he's solid it's it's very he's listed six seven it's I th- and again, I know in the NBA that means like six five, but I think he's six seven. I think he's actually six seven. And I, I, what's the right. weight on that, Teddy? Is that does that say two two eighty 265? two sixty five? I think that's also fair. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was two seventy. And the guy didn't really have any fat on him. And again, he got a lot of he got a lot of views from uh, the scouts. So uh, I think it also helps when you have um, brothers, literally brothers in the NFL. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised. I do not expect him to go in the draft, but I do expect him to get an invite from some teams. And and you mentioned it, Brandon. The thing with D line is there's so many of those. They'll even put you on in like a 53 or a 60 man roster in the preseason, squad, or maybe, even in a practice squad. Yeah. They'll throw you on there. Uh, there's so much depth with as far as wide right. receivers concerned. If Cherry wants any shot, or if um if uh, one of these D line guys wants any sp- any spots, yeah he's a he's a i'm just looking at this picture of him he's so lanky he could put he could put on a good 20 pounds if if you were to ask me i'm not a professional um, i would love to be a scout uh, but i'm not a professional. if you were to ask me i think he would be on an nfl roster for the 2018 2019 season just from what i saw in those three hours so so
1: obviously bilal nichols is a guy we're looking at but you you were you were impressed with brandon whaley
2: i was impressed i i i you're looking at his yearly stats. I'm reading his stats from this all year. I don't know
0: CAA as a sophomore.
2: I don't, and I'm going to be honest, I I, I don't really know, and I guess at this point I don't care what he did in his career. Um, just injured going as off, a junior. Yeah, just going off. 13
1: catches with 149 and touchdown as a senior. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Just, I mean, I think, didn't
2: Antonio Brown do that in like one game? <laughs> Anyways, Probably. he yeah. um,
0: uh, uh, has more yards than that.
2: Yeah, in that game. but, um, yeah, just, just going off his pro day. Uh, He got some ooz and ahs, and I think that's worth noting. Um, You know, just I guess covering Delaware sports, it'd it'd be cool to see that guy get an invite. Uh, Anything else? Don't bet your money on it. Bilal Nichols, you said yeah. They 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 were saying top five, top
1: five rounds. I'll, I saw him oh, yeah. talking to a Packers scout in that picture. That
0: I right. not that that
2: means oh, anything. Not got, that it means anything. I'm it doesn't mean. I wouldn't say that means anything. But he got a lot of one on one interviews and. Um,
0: I mean, because that's that's the guy they're there to see, correct?
2: Right? And 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 right. I should mention this was one of the better ones since I would say two thousand better pro days for Delaware since two thousand and thirteen, uh, only because they haven't got twenty four teams or this many guys trying out. Um, and doing drills and stuff and getting measurements in in about four years. So th- this was one of the bigger one of the bigger bro- uh, pro days for Delaware football. Do you have the opportunity to talk with any of the scouts? I did not get an opportunity. I just, uh, I mean, real quick passing. You know, uh, guy will finish a forty time and uh, Saints guy looked at me and said, "Like, well, what'd you get on that?" And I'm trying to do my my own times. And he said, oh, "Like, that's good." And I, they kind of just just like. I don't know what the term is, but it's just guys talking about sports, and they just turn around and you say, "Yeah, like wow," or "or or damn, did you see that? He's pretty strong." So, uh, as a conversation, I would have loved to, but didn't didn't get full conversation with any of these guys. But it's really cool to be really in the middle of all that and just see what these guys are saying because you get a really good idea of what's in their head. When did did you were you actually timing that one? I did. I I got a chance to time. I would say most of them. Uh, Everyone ran the 40 except Bilal Nichols, uh, and everyone got two tries. And I think uh, the, the fastest one was uh, Deontay Cherry. He ran four or five. Um, and this is inside the field house. This is inside the field house. Which...
0: which... Never mind, I won't say that. <laughs> not going to say it. We, just... it it's, not, it's not a great environment for running because it's not very open, like air-wise. Right. Like, compared it's a to a little constrictive compared in there. Compared to like yeah. Lucas Oil Stadium where sure. they have the NFL draft combine. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um it's not the great for throwing either. I mean, you can't really throw you can't not that a Hail Mary is a proper unit of measurements for quarterbacks or wide receivers, but I mean, they got like little tents that'll come down. So you can't really throw the best deep ball. It's 50 like, yards. Josh too. Allen was going to hit the ceiling every time if he was there. He was going to hit the ceiling every time. Uh, so, again, no quarterbacks tried out, so they got just a couple of, well, I guess, equipment guys. But yeah. So th- they weren't necessarily displaying uh, the aerial attack. It was just more of, let's see if these three, four uh, wide receivers can catch. That's all it was.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast.
2: We're going to wrap up
1: Delaware women's basketball now. They fought... Wasn't enough against Georgetown in NIT round one matchup down in Washington D.C. last Friday. I think one of our questions overall is throughout the two games in the CIA tournament and the one game in the NIT. The CIA Player of the Year, Nicole Anabosi not particularly not
3: particularly impactful.
0: She had a good quarter. Let's get a search party together to find what, where
3: she went. Yeah, show up and that's not actually not what I thought Teddy was going to bring up when he started talking I, I mean, about the tournament. Don't, but I'm not going there. Don't worry. about Look, that. <laughs>
2: my biggest takeaway, and tell me if you guys disagree, is in the regular season, in the CAA tournament, and in the NIT, she was in foul trouble every single game, and that was my biggest takeaway from it. And it, it should be frustrating if you're on her, if your teammates, if you're the coaches, the coaching staff, and as a fan. I I don't know what the exact issue was, but they should have figured it out. She was in foul trouble for I would say the last six games of her junior year. Six games? You, you're talking about the regular season it, too, including the regular season, the CAA and the NIT.
3: I remember I might have like I, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I think she when, fouled when, out a couple of those games too. Into in the, into the, the last CAA six. tournament, when you get into the NIT, these teams do their homework, and not the, I'm not dissing any of the CAA teams in their regular season play, but. They are going to guard Nicole Navosi, the CIA Player of the Year, with the defense that they deserve. They're not going to just put one person on her and say, all right, have fun out there. They're going to be more defensive-minded. Not that that's an excuse. She's a CIA Player of the Year for a reason. We've seen her fight through triple teams and score. But to say that – I mean she had 15 points in the NIT loss. She That's okay, uh, kind of what we expect from her. But I think it's kind of – it's going to happen when you play in these tournament games. The teams are going to know how you play. The teams are going to be a little better guarding you than any other people.
0: Sure, and the best players adjust to that, and they still perform. And she failed to do that in both tournament games. To your point, Ahmed, five personal fouls against Georgetown, four against Drexel. Mm-hmm. In the last six games of the season, 19 fouls just... across those games. So an average yeah. of a little over 3 but also a lot of those fouls coming in the, in the first, first half, half which correct. which is really what is, is hurt, hurts you you know later in the stretch in the games later in the first half when you have to sit out to avoid picking up those fouls so you can play in the second half and you know the the point production was not there the last few games of the season rebounding she had just 3 boards against Georgetown in the WNIT but with all that said She wasn't the only player not to play her best. In the WNIT, there wasn't anybody else picking up the load either. No one else Um, got
3: double-digit points in the WNIT. So
0: so I do question, okay, what happened to Colin Abosi down the stretch? But you can't put it all on her because nobody else showed up either. It wasn't like she made the only mistakes that resulted in a loss. They didn't have great play across the board.
1: I'll say that... Anabosi's biggest strength became the team's biggest weakness, and her biggest strength is that she can take over a game and be the team and be the sole factor. But can she though? She did it throughout the whole regular season. But like,
0: can you be down by six and just give her the ball and have her win the game for you? I don't know if she can well, take over a game in that sense.
2: Well, well, I would what, say don't let the last six games deter you, because she, she did have obviously a, a great year. Well, I'm but, not. I'm not talking about any yeah. one game or any one
1: situation. I'm saying her biggest strength is that she was, by and large, the team. The, the, she was the 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 most influential player. She was able to mow through defenses and put up points, and she That's did. It, and she did it. I wouldn't she say
0: it. she could take over a game. I never saw her take over a game single handedly. This I, season. I
1: saw her well well the team back. I, I don't think she, that she won on a buzzer beater, but I saw her push the team back at some point. She took over... She's
0: undoubtedly the best player on the floor, more often than not.
1: And she proved herself as the best player in the CAA, and she overshadowed other teams in close games this season. That's what I'll say. But when it came down to it in the postseason, the fact that they don't have other options is hurting them. Because when you don't have other options, and I don't want to sit here and lay it all on her, because it's not fair to look at her and say, this is her, this is her, this is her. Because, yes, while I agree that great players make adjustments in postseason play... It is unfair to ask a great player to make an adjustment entirely herself. And the rest of the team had their problems theirself. So yeah, to me I agree. So to me, what what this loss in particular shows, much as Natasha Adair said post game, We just got overmatched by a better team. And next year, when they bring in some of those freshmen who are gonna jolt themselves right into the starting lineup, they should be in a position where you would hope that they have other options alongside her.
0: Yeah, I really think that of these three freshmen, we're going to see at least one, maybe two of them, pop into the starting lineup almost from day one. You have Paris McBride, who averaged over six assists per game in high school, Jasmine Dickey and Lolo Davenport. Dickey and Davenport, both 2,000-point scorers. In college, not just at that or in high school, excuse me, not just the thousand, which, which is, is like the milestone yeah, to reach.
2: They doubled it, 2, which is 000. remarkable for those who don't know. In high school, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I, I really look at Davenport first. Mm-hmm. She's six foot six one, so yeah. that's the same size as Enabosi, but she plays as a wing. She can shoot the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dicky, obviously another power forward scorer. She's five eleven, still mm-hmm. has some size and strength that will probably go right next to Enabosi as a four. And I th- I think those two players have the potential to give Delaware that extra scoring option that they need as a counter to what or a compliment, I guess you should say, to what Nicole Anabosi already provides.
2: And I'll go even one step further, Brandon. I think looking next year, I think the lineup will be completely shaken. I think maybe Abby Gonzalez and uh Bailey Cargo will start, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey Cargo uh goes to the bench. I, I think Anabosi,
3: she's went to the bench. Anna Bosi, almost you, all these games for at least fifteen minutes. Plus. I
2: think Anabosi and Gonzalez, when it's all said and done, will, will be the only two starters. I, Everyone I'll else say I think will filter Vries. out. Simone de Vries Simone de Vries, I, I should mention had a great, too. obviously a great postseason, uh, including you know Georgetown and Northeastern and Drexel But it's yeah.
0: it's super early. If yeah. I had to make a projection, I would say mm-hmm. Gonzalez, deFries yeah. Dickie Davenport, mm-hmm. and Anabosi. Right. But I also don't necessarily know the positions that those three wings kind of all fit into with free right. sticky and Davenport. So maybe yeah. one of them has to go to the bench and we still see a Cargo or a West or Mascaro. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, I guess West is graduate. West but is but gone, Cargo, yeah. Mascaro, you know, one of those extra mm-hmm. guards in there. Um, but I do think that despite the fact that all five starters are coming back next season, they won't be the same five starters next uh, year. And
2: I think it's also fair to, fair to say, as Teddy's looking up the depth of the team, um, to say that I don't know if they got... Better as for A to Z, but the seven man rotation did get better. The seven man rotation did get better. I don't know if they got deeper, but they got better in a sense. And I mention this all the time. It's it's at the University of Delaware next year, the CAA tournament. Correct. So that always helps. It's it's not a it's not something you can measure, but home court always helps. So yeah, we'll take it.
0: and I bet Drexel would say it helped them when yeah. they beat Delaware yep. in overtime. No on doubt their home with floor. that
1: crowd. Yeah, the little. Daskalakis, whatever you, however, you, however you say it, however you say <laughs> it. Daddy, Teddy. Teddy's
3: personal vendetta against the DAC shows through. Hey, we were there for a win, Teddy, well, so I'm, it was
2: great. Come I, on just got,
1: I just got a little frustrated because on on, on Thursday, Amit and I were sitting in an excellent spot right behind the TV stream guys for CAA TV. Mm-hmm. And then Friday- I like
2: you doesn't name
1: names. So. Friday, they shoved us up to the nosebleeds. And didn't even have an Ethernet cord ready for us. I mean, they were very accommodating once we got there. But I, I was just cu- I was just curious. Glad
2: I didn't go Friday.
1: <laughs> it was a great game. It was a great game, and it was a closer game than they were against Georgetown. And they got overmatched against a team that honestly didn't have a great record, but they play a better level of competition. And all in all, let's take head coach and Tasha Adair's first team in Delaware and. Is it a success? It's certainly a step in the right direction. That's for sure, considering
2: what Tina did in her final three years. Two more postseason games than Tina. I think that's a. I think that's a positive. Yeah,
3: She, she preached in the beginning of the year that, that we're that it's going to be a new-look team. When Teddy, we talked to her outside of Trebon, she kind of said that no player's really going to have that defined role anymore. We're going to see where they fit in and then put them out on the court and see how they do. Um, do you
1: really know what she means
3: by that by now? I mean— what, the you big have thing, a fantastic memory. The big thing's got a great memory. <laughs> it's that that we talked that about was I asked. I uh, remember
0: that because you asked about position. Yeah, uh, like I, you said, who's going to kind of play like before. Rebecca Lawrence? Yeah. to fit where? And, just, and, she and, and she said we're going to be positionless until we figure out everybody's yeah. strengths and weaknesses. Well, that's a
1: lie because they were they've had
0: positions they the whole Alice. year, <laughs> right? Which <laughs> no, but but at that point in the in the process, they were still practicing. She didn't have to play anybody by October November okay, Rebecca Lawrence is our power forward, she's starting. I think that was the point they were making is that, is that, okay, maybe last year somebody played this specific role, but I'm not going to watch the film and pigeonhole them into she's only a three-point shooter, she can only ball handle yeah, until like, I see what their strengths and weaknesses are. Like Hannah are.
3: Jardine graduated, let's stick Rebecca Lawrence in that exact okay, same that's spot fair. that she did. Okay, hey, They look very similar. Right, it, yeah. which uh, what I was kind of getting at overall is that this – new look team. It's not as new look as I thought it was going to be. I mean, we're still kind of falling into that same mold of... Yeah, yeah, that's what... But I think, like we said, and I'll reiterate it again, that this is a step in the right direction. Like Brandon said, when these new players come in, we figure out how they fit. I think this team has all arrows pointing up. We'll see if they'll follow it.
0: I think Tr- stylistically they were a little different. Maybe the results were the same, but they played faster. They they played through a, an MVP caliber player, Nicole Nabosi. Uh, You know, I wrote upstairs that this was a success that the way it ended, I think, leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But I think all in all, three wins better, two more postseason games. It's a successful first year. And now Adair has the opportunity to take it to the next level with the players that she wants to bring into the program next year. And I think that's where the real expectations of, of winning and being a contender start.
2: Stylistically, that's a great word. Thank you. It's a hell of a word. You're listening
0: to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast.
1: Excited to talk Delaware baseball right now with our friend Josh Deal working with us this spring for some baseball broadcasts. And Josh, the baseball team had a bit of a tough weekend against Bryant, lost three of four, split the doubleheader on Saturday, and then lost the two other ones. First of all, Josh, glad that you could be with us here. Coming straight from class, correct? Straight from class, yeah. Straight, from, straight from class. What class
4: was it? Uh, it was... Uh computational thinking in music. How was it? Uh, pretty solid. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Are
0: you on a spring break now, or do you have class tomorrow?
4: No, nah, I've got work tomorrow, but after oh. 1 o'clock, your boy's free. <laughs> okay,
1: congratulations. That's always a good point to get to.
4: Yeah. All right, anyways. Uh, we, s- we split the doubleheader on Saturday. We
1: split the doubleheader on Saturday. I was
4: calling both of those games. Did
1: you do fr- Friday or Sunday? No. you no. just did. You did Saturday. I, did,
4: I called the doubleheader on Saturday uh, yeah. with Doug Barron, and what, basically what we saw is the fact that this offense can't get going. If we do get going, it's one or two runs at a time. Um, last year, there would be innings where we'd score four, five, six in an inning, uh, which is what Bryant was able to do, especially the big top of the fourth that they had on Friday. Uh, they had a grand slam in that, I think a couple other home runs uh, off of Matt Hornich. But the biggest part of that is that we haven't been able to score runs other than one or two in an inning, um, but the other teams that we're playing against can score runs in spurts, you know, five, six, big innings. Um from the other teams that we're playing, and we just can't seem to get the offense going. Why do you think that is? Uh, we had so many people graduate last year. I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting the team to be as bad offensively as we are. Um, and can we 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 can
1: um, just provide some context here? I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but the team's record is 10 and 8, and they they started off a little bit shaky on the road, but they did win a few in a row after they they've they've beat Maryland twice against yeah. Monmouth. They beat them twice in three games, but we're just not seeing that run production that we saw last year. Yeah,
4: well, last year Delaware was twenty-two and four at home, which is an outstanding, you know, statistic to throw out there. The only teams that were that were better or the same as us at home were Oregon State, Louisville, who were one and two at the end of last year, and then um, there was another school that really doesn't matter. But we were in that conversation <laughs> too. Um, but There's think,
0: probably uh, that other schools like yeah we were with Louisville, <laughs> Oregon State, and uh, some other school. It doesn't really matter.
4: <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously we lost. Um, I think we lost five out of six on the road when we went down to Boca Raton and uh, when Charleston. Right? We oh we won two in Charleston. But um, when we played Delaware State, uh, those are those are games that we should have won automatically. Those are basically like we play them to get dubs. Um, well, we did get we did we did do that. And we right. and, and the the thing is the offense the offense showed out. But sure, it was, sure, sure. It was one or two runs per inning. Still, they weren't scoring runs in big spurts like we used to last year. I mean, I know last year I called a game for Hensel Access where you know there was a grand slam by Jordan Glover, and you know that kind of production hasn't happened at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's because you know Glover, Glover graduated. Uh, Ake graduated. Jeremy
1: um, Ake, third baseman. Uh, Short, shortstop. 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 Nick
4: Tierno played second base. He was the other thing is we have no. We have no lefties. I mean, we gra- like last year we graduated Mayer, Glover, Tierno, Ake. Those were the big four that graduated on the offensive side. Um, and then, of course, we lost Kevin Milley um, pitching and, you know, guys like that. But mainly it's, it was the offense that took the biggest hit. Uh, Doug Trimble, too, he graduated. Um, and so, you know, you look at these guys, and Nick Tierno uh, was one of the co-offensive player of the years uh, for Delaware last year, uh, him and Jeremy Ake. And he was the lefty production in the lineup and this year we have to throw in a dh whether that's uh Andrew Reich or um Krasinski one of the outfielders you know we have to throw those guys in at the designated hitter position even though they're not you know as good as other guys on the team necessarily we throw those guys in so that we can at least have one lefty in the lineup
0: yeah and they're not not that Doug Trimble was a huge power bat last year but just across the board the replacements for the players who left are not those power bats.
4: Eric Bowen for not for power, but for contact. Eric Bowen has been playing hot. Uh Kyle Baker and Wright was playing hot. Baker is a big boost but to get him back. His hamstring. I mean like he he I mean it was a, a like a just a running from first to second, he just and the same injury as last year, so yeah, kind of I mean, tweaked it there. And then you
0: can't necessarily rely on him. Exactly. Long like you know game to game. Yeah. Like, the way that you can. I mean, right now in the lineup, you you rely upon you know you know you're going to have Kevin Maholan and you're going to have Nick Patton, but even those guys are not producing the same way they produced
4: last year. Maholan has gotten better from his first couple games that he started started going. Um, I was really worried that this that top of the order was not going to be as solid as it was last year, uh, but he's picked it up. He's got I think he's got his average over 300 now. But yep. Um, yep. You look at Nick Patton, a guy who was a an all CAA selection last year. He was a preseason all CAA selection this year. I think his Tough average start. is somewhere around 160, 160 164. Right yeah. Now. And I mean, you look at that and you think, you know, this team is going to be relying on this guy. Plus, he's a junior, which means that, you know, he opted to not go into the draft after high school. And so now he's playing in a draft year and he's not playing up to standards, and scouts are recognizing that. Like, as much as, I mean, obviously, like, we're Delaware, like, we're, I I get that, I get that. But, like, you know, we're not, like, the biggest baseball school, but he's a guy that's been on people's radar, and if he's not performing up to task, then, you know, people are going to pass on him.
0: This is kind of a tough question, but do you think it's a matter of teams finding a weakness or a hole in his swing, or more so, maybe just not a great approach to start the year that he'll be able to kind of shake out of? Patton specifically.
4: Um, he's been striking out a lot. Um, he just think, he's not even look, seeing it clearly. Yeah, no, he's just not seeing the. ball. I mean, he's got he's tied for second on the team with strikeouts. The only only other person, actually, yeah, uh, first on the team is Vinny Vacone, the shortstop who replaced Jeremy Ake. Um, mm-hmm. and then another,
0: another like significant downgrade yeah, from what Ake did last yeah. year.
4: Um, and v- Vacone is really just there as a as a defensive guy. His bat. Somewhat there, I think right. he's batting above the Mendoza line, but still. If you can get something from your shortstop, more often than not, you're just happy
0: with whatever you can.
4: Yeah, get. I mean he bats eighth, ninth, you know, yeah. sometimes seventh, depending on who's who's playing. Um, actually he's batting below 150. Uh, so pardon mm. me there. Worst in the <laughs> worst in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, but then I mean you look at like you look at guys uh, Nardo and Patton who really got. Have to shoulder the load for power. Yeah. They haven't been picking it up. And of course, Nardo had that big five RBI game against Maryland in College Park the first time we played him there. Um, And then the second game was here. But he had five RBIs in that game. And people were thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe that's going to start something. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't started the way that we expected it to. Um, And so, you know, you're you're calling these games and you're expecting, you know, Nardo and Patton to be the power bats. And it's turned to guys like Vinny Vacone hit a home run against Dell State. I mean and then Tyler Calendar who was the designated hitter in the lineup against for the double header, you know, he hit a home run in that first game. And so these guys that you're not expecting to be the power bats have to step up because the guys that you want to be the stars on this team haven't been doing it for you.
1: And obviously we should recognize that we haven't even—the the, the team and the landscape of the conference hasn't begun their most important games, which is conference play. Yeah. But it is worth noting, as you detailed, that when one of your guys who is receiving attention from scouts in in, in Major League Baseball— at this point in the season, is batting 164 with, as you mentioned, a, a number in strikeouts that is way too high. What is it, 21? And and
0: In what, like 60 at-bats? Sure, 61. Yeah. There I mean, it that's is. A, that's a ridiculously high strikeout percentage.
1: And it obviously, Josh, puts more pressure on your pitchers, which have had some good games. But I know in the game I was doing on Friday, uh, Matt Hornich, he was just off. It didn't work. And Billy Sullivan in the previous game I did the previous week, after really good... Two starts to start off his college career, he didn't have it either. What have you seen from this Delaware pitching staff, and how would you rate them relative to maybe what you've
4: seen from the offense so far? Um they've been the ones that have really been holding down the fort. I mean, you look at a lot of those games um they're closer um you know they're it's definitely you've had like the first game against Monmouth. They blew us out uh the first game against um this just this past weekend against Bryant, they blew us out. but you look at the ones where um Specifically Kyle Hinton has been pitching. That first game against Monmouth that he pitched, the first game of the double or the second game of the doubleheader, excuse me, he pitched six perfect innings. Which for someone in this this rank, I mean, it's it's definitely like not as big of an accomplishment as major mm-hmm. leagues. But yeah. I mean, this is a guy who against he sat up eighteen up, eighteen down against a pretty solid college lineup in Bryant. I mean, these guys played Auburn, they played Arizona State, and though they lost those games, or it might have just been Arizona. Regardless they went 0 six against those two clubs, but those are you know powerhouse baseball teams that they put up some type of effort against um but I think that the biggest fact is that um, you know we lost Kevin Milley, but we picked up Billy Sullivan who has been you know like you mentioned he wasn't that that solid um, against Bryant but the game from against Monmouth and especially the game against Delaware State too he was on it and so you've yeah. got a guy a freshman a true freshman who's come in and been able to start Really solid for the team, and you've got Kyle Hinton. And so, where other guys on the team might lack, it's definitely been the pitching that has kept the the team going.
0: Is there any timetable for the return of Brandon Walter?
1: No, I, I was told this Friday that there is no timetable. Okay, which I, that guy threw a no hitter last year. You know that that's a guy who is gonna
0: because you start to think about your Friday, Saturday, Sunday if you could get Hinton Sullivan. And a Brandon Walter. Yeah. Now you can maybe transition this team to yeah. kind of the opposite of what they were last year, and maybe be yeah. more kind of pitching and defense oriented. Um, but they, st- at least, I'll uh, pose this to you, Josh. Do you see anybody as that next guy as that third starter to fill the hole?
4: I don't. Um, I think the big thing is that we were we were expecting big things out of the senior Nick Spadafino, uh, guy from my hometown, and so I had a lot of faith in him too coming in, but. In his starts, he pitches really solid innings, but then, like the rest of the guys on the team that haven't been up to par, he gives up those big innings. You know, he might give up four, five, six runs an inning, and then, you know, after that, where's your confidence level at? It's in the dumps. So, you know, a guy like him coming in, he's he plays solid for a couple of innings, and that's why for most of his career he was a reliever. I mean, yeah. and so um, until
0: really this this year, this right? year, yeah, yeah. when I good saw good him
4: in the starting lineup against Delaware or Dell State. I was like, oh, OK, Nick, Nick you know, Nick got the, start, the starting job. But um, I, it, once Brandon Walter comes back, if he does come back, it'll be a, I mean, I'm, I'd be excited to see that that level of baseball, uh, especially that level of play from those three guys. But you look on the defensive side of things like um the first error committed in his college career for Kevin McChollin was just the other just this weekend. Wow. Um, he had 106, 164 attempts out in center field and he on his 165th he dropped a ball that ended up scoring two um, But you know those are the kind of things where this team defensively has been so solid. you know you've got Nick Patton over there who doesn't let anything get by him. Uh, Diaz Nardo has a, a rocket over there, a third, um, as, as much as Vacone's bat has been struggling, his glove has been pretty solid. Same thing for Eric Borin. And then behind the plate, the, the Miller and Rick Achesky, the two of them together have been playing pretty defensive, like pretty solid. Their arms are not as strong as Brian Mayer, but, um, you know, he was a, a red sh- or a red shirt senior by the time he graduated. And so mm-hmm. you've got these, these guys, out, especially in the in- infield, you know, um, Sherman's got to be really happy with the way that his guys are playing defensively um it's just the fact that those bats just can't get going and when you graduate five guys who are solid contributors to the lineup that kind of stuff happens but you have to you have to think that you know this team was expected to to play at a much higher percentage and they just haven't been firing on all cylinders and whether that's pitching or offense I, I'm not really really sure but what I do know is that I was not expecting this team to be where it is now even though they have a winning record like we can't say anything they're 10 and eight but <laughs> um and we haven't even started CAA play yet uh which is another big test of how good this team is but another guy another team in our division charleston they've been playing red hot and so it's really tough to you know see where this team is going to be at the end of may or at least in the end of april middle of may um without seeing how they can play against other teams in the CAA
1: and as we've mentioned that that's when you will really know yeah. you know th- this is this th- if there's a time to be going through these ruts you hope it's now yeah you hope it's now.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast.
1: It's early. Typically, we don't have opening day while well, it's still in March, but it's coming. Or snow. It's coming. Yeah, I was
3: about to say with snow on the ground. We're thinking about opening day. Hey, hey it's
1: going to be here soon. I saw some pictures of some <gasps> par- some ballparks around the league today uh, online, and you know they're dealing with cleaning, f- fixing them their uh, their fields, and getting ready for the start of the season. But and I know we haven't talked about Major League Baseball a lot recently. We touched about on the uh, Jake Arrieta with the Phillies for a few moments last week. But it's here, and it's it's exciting. So ESPN put a little ranking of lineups out and led all the teams to argue, our lineup is better than yours, and this and that. Let's just take it from an overall perspective here. In case you're not aware, some of those teams that, that are obviously favored in the AL, the Astros, World Series champions, the Yankees with some of the offseason moves, Indians, Red Sox, some of those teams that'll be in the mix. And then in the NL, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Nationals, maybe the Diamondbacks, the Rockies. You know, th- these are kind of the teams that we're keeping an eye on. To start, are there any storylines that you guys have followed? And if there are no storylines that you have followed, what are you excited about?
3: Um, well, one of the storylines that I'm kind of following is... How these new-look teams are going to shape up. Well, not necessarily new-look teams, new-look players, and specifically the one that stuck out, obviously, is the New York Yankees. They now have two players that have an opportunity to combine for 100 home runs. Sounds a little crazy, but it's doable. That's something that we haven't seen in a, a bit, having two players like that. They're, the team looks good. They, uh, are, I think, are silencing the last remaining critics that they had that this is not a good team with all these players on it and I think looking at right when the season starts if this team doesn't start like burning hot right out the gate there's going to be a lot of conversation around oh that. yeah I agree with that yeah if this team doesn't like go win 15 of their first 20 or something like that that actually no I think it's kind of fair if they win 15 out of the first 20 12 out of the first 20 I think this team's going to have a lot of conversation mm-hmm.
1: around them yeah isn't it funny how that happens you you, you make these moves and a lot of people look at that team as the offseason darling. they got to come forward and they got to have this season. But I think that's really, a really interesting storyline to follow, specifically when you look at the Yankees and, and that that team. Because you look at, otherwise, those teams that made the playoffs, there's not a lot of major changes. They're still going to be there. They're still going to be good. They're still going to be in the thick of things. Brandon, let me ask you, because I was talking to somebody yesterday, two days ago, sometime recently, about... The possibility of the Phillies even inching their way towards a wild card conversation. What do you think that team's ceiling is this season?
0: That's probably the ceiling. I still think that's a little aggressive. We talked about that last week a little bit with Arietta and people starting to put them into that range because of the Arietta signing. And I think it's a little early to start pigeoning them into a wild card spot. I still think that the core of this team is a couple years away from developing, but you can at least start to see where the pieces are coming into place. Arietta and Nola give them a very strong 1-2, which is very important in this day and age in baseball. The bullpen is still a question mark to me. They did bring back Nishek, they have Tommy Hunter, so they've tried to address that, which is becoming increasingly important in baseball. But the biggest thing for this team to take a step forward is going to be how the offense performs. Does Carlos Santana plus the emergence of J.P. Crawford and Reese Hoskins give them enough offense to be a legitimate con- competitor? And I still think that guys like Hoskins and Crawford and Nick Williams and Aaron Altair, they're probably still a couple years away. So the ceiling would be the playoffs wild card, but I wouldn't expect that. That's not my expectation.
1: I think otherwise in the the National League, you look at those powers. You look at the powers that have been there the last couple seasons. The teams that have made the the runs historically over the last 10 years, it's really the Cardinals and the Giants. Those are the teams that have made the runs up until the last few years when the Cubs made the run two years ago, the Dodgers made the run last year, and then you've got a couple teams. that The Mets made a run a few years ago. The Nats have been in the playoffs but have yet to make a run Jake, what do you see as far as as these these teams? What, what do you expect from these so-called? Uh, I'm calling them this for the sake of the conversation. "Quote unquote" powers in the NL.
3: Um, personally, I obviously I gravitate for, to the Mets. Their pitching rotation, as I knock on every sort of. Oh, board I didn't thing. include. I didn't. I didn't include the Mets as a power. Well, you said. You just said and the Mets made the run. I'm just messing with you. Keep uh, going. Okay. Uh, I was like, yeah, you did. I right, just made it. It, it. You did mention Wait, them, did right? Wait, did you call the Mets a power? No, I didn't, but he's calling them a power, but
1: I'm not going to well, no, argue you, it. Didn't
3: you just say that?
1: I said the Mets had had a, they made a run. W-
3: were, is, is those the teams you were talking about? Or were you just talking about the Cardinals and, that, oh, and the Oh, oh you can he was,
0: You said I, like I just the know, Dodgers, <laughs> the Nationals, and the Cubs were the power. Oh, you're,
3: you're just going to talk about those three? Because no, you, you mentioned no, no, no. all those teams. Well, I, I I went on a rant. Just get, give, me, give me four or five teams you want me to talk about.
1: The, the powers, but if you want to talk now, about the Mets can too, you, you, me, you talk the about. Can you give me actual opinion. teams? Okay, I'm talking about the three teams that won their divisions last year that are the the overwhelming favorites to do so again.
3: So the Cubs, Nationals, Cubs, Nationals, and the Dodgers. Dodgers. Out of those three, well, teams... you don't have to
1: pick one. Just kind of, what do you see from them? What, what What do you think? Expectations going down. Expectations going up. I think the, the Dodgers
3: get worse. I think the Cubs will be. That bad team that we saw the first half and then they'll not necessarily surprise us but end up winning the division. And I think that the Nationals have – will be a playoff team. And Why do you
0: think the Dodgers get worse?
3: I think the Dodgers get worse because I think they – I think they rode too much on Clayton Kershaw. Not that's a bad thing. Get that out there. He's favorite to win the Cy Young. He's Clayton Kershaw. But I think we talked about it on the show when the playoffs were going on uh, that they're going to maybe see Clayton Kershaw three times. And the rest of their pitching rotations, specifically Alex Wood, who really wasn't too impressive. Hugh Darvish, who's no longer pitching with the team, was not that impressive. Like this, they're going to have to figure out their rotation and get it down pat because their offense is good. Their offense is great, actually. But if you don't have more than one pitcher – one pitcher can probably handle you through playoffs for the most part, with just a good pitcher too, but for the regular season, that's probably not going to be good enough to make the playoffs.
0: Teddy, I got a quick question for you. As a Nationals fan, is this the final year, if you will, that it needs to happen or else the core components of this team may no longer be together? Is this is this kind of it for them, a team that's winning the division almost every year or making the playoffs perennially, but has yet to really make a true run in the playoffs,
1: eh? I don't know about it. I'm I, I'm so apathetic toward towards that kind of a question at this point. Not to discount what you're saying, but just because it doesn't, it, it feels like if you don't make it, you're gonna do it again, <laughs> and you kind of kind of got. But like go how many through.
0: times can you do that?
1: Oh, if you if you're the Washington Capitals, you do it ten years, and you just keep going. I I don't know. I I'm I, I be, I've just become a little bit cynical and in, in kind of a funny way about it, but. I think I think they've got a good team, and I think they'll have some pieces back. But it's it'd be ridiculous for me to sit here and say, "Oh, they're the overwhelming favorite over the Cubs and the Dodgers." Well, I'm not
0: asking to, you that. but to like, answer your if question, if it doesn't happen this year, is this it?
1: I, do you are you asking like, do you think the team will get reconstructed around?
0: Right, like, if it doesn't happen this year, if Bryce Harper maybe he leaves, like, is this the last? Good chance for this team with
1: with this current group, maybe with this current group. I think because they just brought in uh, Dave Martinez, a new manager, a Cubs assistant. So they're not going to blow everything up because Dust They just got rid of Dusty Baker, and so now a new manager comes in. But there are reasons
0: I still don't quite understand.
1: I think yeah. it. I think it was kind of what you referenced, not yeah. being able to get, so to speak, over over the hump. I guess so. So wanting to make a switch, which they did, and I, I feel like. If it doesn't happen this year, there will be some changes. Bryce Harper will probably be gone, but if they make even even going to maybe the NLCS will be a good step. I'm not saying that's that's the expectation, but they've got to at the very least make make some kind of a run. Um, and I believe that they have the pieces to do so. But again, only time will tell. Finally, before we we uh, get ready to talk Delaware baseball with our friend Josh Deal in the American League. I guess what? A lot of people are curious about. We talk about the Yankees. It's, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day about the Astros, and I said to them, that they were trying to argue that that team is is not the team to beat. And I said, you just look at what they've put together and and how how much of a complete team they've been. What are your expectations for that team after they just won the World Series?
0: They're absolutely the team to beat. You take a team that is one of the youngest in baseball, just won the World Series. You add Garrett Cole to that rotation. Now gets a full year of Justin Verlander. Absolutely the team to beat, not just the American League, but in baseball.
3: They're the team to beat, but they're going to lose to the Yankees come playoff time. You think so? Yeah. I think well, this Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton combo. You're buying it. You're buying it. I think I'm putting all my eggs in that basket a bit if too Aaron early. Aaron
0: Judge strikes out 30-plus times in the playoffs.
3: I mean, he struck out a exponential amount of times in the regular season and he's th- that team still put numbers up. And so, they still
0: lost to the Astros in the ALCS. Right.
3: So I still now with adding Giancarlo Stanton, another bat that can do just the same, strikes out less, hits harder, hits I think he's just overall better hitter. You gotta get through Aaron Judge and then you will have Giancarlo Stanton coming up right right after him. That's a tough team. That's a tough team. I think Astros are the favorite But I think that the Yankees are going to be the team that beats them.
0: You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast.
3: We have some
1: exciting news that we need to share with our listeners.
0: Yeah, Teddy, uh, we heard about this a couple, I guess about a week or so ago, um, but we had to keep our lips tight until now. Uh, Proud to say that the Delaware Football Roundup, which is the podcast that Teddy and I did throughout the fall during the Delaware football season each week where we recapped and analyzed every Delaware football game, we're proud to announce that that podcast has won the Delaware Press Association Award for the best podcast, really, of any category in Delaware. Um, Teddy and I also won another award for uh, the volleyball story that we wrote with the review, um, both both of those, the football roundup and the, the volleyball story taking first place, which is very, we're very proud to be able to announce that today.
2: The brand is strong glad to see
1: that yeah. that a new a new project in a weekly football podcast that only went for what 11 weeks
0: yeah I think we had 11 episodes
1: 11 episodes from the beginning of well I guess the last day of August first day of September through to the end of November one a week one, one per game that was it but they enjoyed it
0: well, and I will also say and I'll give you some credit with this too Teddy that yes it was once once a week but for the 30, 45 minutes we put together was a lot of extra work Sure. Um, to, to put in. And it wasn't just us. It was everybody who came to every football game and got us audio when they could that we were able to incorporate into the podcast. We had Mike and Ahmed on a couple times to fill in for us here and there. So we definitely appreciate what they were able to bring, bring a different perspective on the air as well to the podcast and really help it make it into what it, it was. And I still think There's a lot of potential for us to grow with what we did last year. You know, we probably weren't as consistent as we would have liked in having all of the elements, including coach and player interviews and game calls. But when we could, I think we really were able to take something to the next level. And we hope that it was an audio experience that you guys really enjoyed, in addition to what we do here on the Thursday Show Weekly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to hear that. And if you're interested in learning more about that podcast, it's on our website, sites.udel.edu slash the Link through our social media at WVUD Sports on Twitter. And continuing the roll forward this year, we are with some of our other podcasts on with Jake and Amid. I think you guys are recording your next one tomorrow, correct? Tomorrow.
2: Right. A good show for
1: you there. Any uh,
2: something people can look forward to with this new episode? um we're gonna have a little bit of a little bit of all the major sports we cover and then of course you don't want to miss the comedy the pop culture we got ben carson making a surprise uh not a surprise appearance but we'll mention him in the show so a little bit of politics a little bit of comedy all the above you don't want to miss it the the ben carson the ben carson the ben carson Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson. Did you get a chance to look over the. Uh, I did. You looked over it? Yeah. Okay. All
3: right. I, I did my homework. Fan
2: favorite segment, buns or mad buns. So oh, I'm excited. I, I love doing the show with uh, Jake.